you know, keep up the good work. Hopefully you're leaving reviews on iTunes or Google Play Music. Don't beg. Uh, <laughs> we beg at the end of the show. You're begging too soon. And we've had comments on our YouTube channel. So We have? Yeah. What? what? Yeah. Really? Yeah, a few over the last few days. And they're not spam? I think two of them are. Oh, f- damn it. Yep. Well, thank you, spammers. <laughs> All the same. We appreciate you listening to our show. That's right. Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Robineau, and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. I am Rob Minot. And today, joining me as usual, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Hey there. And once again, for all those hardcore Steve fans out there, Steve is not with us this week. Nope. He's on a fishing trip. So you're stuck with us. Check your email. He might be fishing. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. uh, but, But fear not. I do believe that he will return next week. Is that right? No, I think he's gone for three more. What? Yeah, I think he originally had said he was gone for the next four weeks. Well, so. never mind, Steve fans. You're going to have to. <laughs> we might convert you to Rob and Ryan fans by the time he gets back. So that, or we'll have to find a stand-in for him. Maybe. Yeah, we can work on that. We can get some potential guest hosts. Yeah, we can. Uh, you know what? We can maybe talk to some of our friends over at Cool Blind Tech. Absolutely. I maybe they'll they maybe they'll be coming instant. We, you know, we should honestly think about doing that. Sure. Um, yeah. Let's. And that, that actually spins into one of the topics that I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, but before we we get sidetracked, uh, what are we doing today? Today we are talking with Wesley Friesen and I believe Michael Hickson, who work for Ira. And go ahead. Oh well, no. I was just going to. I was just going to mention that Ira. For those listeners uh, who remember a few episodes back, we talked to uh, Eric Manser. Eric Manser, who used the Ira system to run the Boston Marathon. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to the show. It's pretty timely, seeing that the NFB convention just wrapped up, and there was a lot of buzz about Ira. So this is good timing. Excellent. But before we get to Wesley and Michael, uh, let's talk about a few things. Let's banter a bit, shall we? Alrighty. So you had a busy weekend last weekend. I did. Yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah. Nine thirty. Doing a little bit of moonlighting. I see. That's right. Yeah, you were on. Uh, you were on over at uh, Cool Blind Tech I podcast was. over there. Yeah, they asked me to be a guest host on their VIP podcast, so I agreed to do that, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I listened to it. It's it uh, turned out great. Yeah, they're a good bunch of team over there, and we'd like to get one of their hosts on again. We've had Jessica Rickards on. That's right. And, yeah, they're all very willing to work with us and, you know, talk with the community, and the more the merrier. Yeah, it's super cool. Like, I don't know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a comic book movie. It's like, it's like, it's like a crossover. <laughs> it's like, it's like when, you know, Iron Man showed up in the Spider-Man movie. Iron you, Man wasn't in Spider-Man. Yeah, it was. Or was Spider-Man not in Iron Man? No, no, Spider-Man, well, One of those. I'll forget it. I'm not going to explain <laughs> this to you. You need to start watching some of your damn Blu-rays and you know these things. All right. But no, it's got, this is our cinematic universe of, <laughs> <laughs> of disability-related podcasts. Wait, have we, have we, have we attained Marvel we status had, or are we still well, DC status? No, no, uh, hope, hopefully we're Marvel. <laughs> I wonder what we're was not pretty dark. good. We're not dark enough to be DC. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, no, that's, so yeah, no, that was cool. And you know, speaking of cool blind tech, uh, also they, I just saw on Twitter, they hit a million downloads. They did. They actually recorded their uh, show yesterday where they were asking the community to send in a 30 minute audio clip. So that show I'm assuming will appear this week sometime. So take a listen to that. That's crazy though. A million downloads. In four years. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it really is. It's such a good podcast. I, well, I, and they kind of have three different shows, too. They've got their VIP, and then they'll branch off a Cool Pick show, and then they also have a Spotlight where they actually get a guest on and, and interview the guest on a particular topic or piece of equipment. One other thing that we should talk about before we we um, 
spin into the main show is a correction. A few weeks ago, we were talking about a talking laundry module. And we, it was kind of the story about how this 14-year-old son of a developer over at GE uh, jury-rigged up a, a talking laundry module that you could plug into your, your GE smart appliance and it would, uh, it would vocalize things like, you know, what, um, what cycle you're in or how much time was, how left, much time was left on the timer, stuff like that. Uh, and we, same, at the time, uh, we thought it, this is just a prototype. It was just something that he was messing around with and it wasn't actually for sale. Turns out it is actually for sale. It, uh, it runs for about, uh, I believe, 99 bucks. And you can actually buy it over at the GE First Build website. Uh, we'll provide that link in the show notes if anyone is interested. I think in, they also said it works with other machines as well, not just GE. Yeah, no, I, I believe it does only work with GE um, appliances. It uh, They say it'll work with most existing uh, GE appliances and certainly anything uh, in the future. So, um, But I guess maybe some of the older ones... Uh, they might have some issues. They should just start plugging in, you know, speech synthesizer chips into all these devices. Well, it wouldn't cost much more. Uh, we said that at the time. I mm-hmm. mean, when we talked about this story, it's ridiculous that it's not just a built-in feature in every smart appliance. I mean, why not? Or even build it in, build an Alexa skill or, or a Google Home skill. Yeah. Sorry, I said the A word, everyone. Oops. Um, nice going. But, you know, you could say, hey, Echo, you know, how much time is left on my washer? Yeah, Absolutely. If we only we could go, hey, Echo, fold my laundry. <laughs> that would be nice. Yes. One day. Robots will rule. Don't even get me started. <laughs> I, I, you know, and th- we're going to talk about this, I think, in a, in a future show, but I read some fascinating articles about driverless cars mm-hmm. over the weekend, and uh, I really want I really want to talk about them. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's kind of shocking what they're working on. And that's just the stuff we know about. True enough. Stuff that they're sharing with the public. Yeah. I mean, and there's so many implications uh, around the, the, the notion of a self-driving car and what that could, what impact that could have on society in general. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating read. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll, maybe we'll talk about that and maybe next week. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, we've babbled long enough. Oh, look, someone's calling us. Well, hello. Hello, Ryan. Um, so we're tag teaming on you. I've got Rob Minot here, who's my co-host. Hello there. Hi, Rob. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. And thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Mike Hinkson from Ira will us momentarily. He is getting out of his last meeting. Okay. Um, so okay. he'll be here in a couple of minutes. He, uh, he is the author of Thunderdog. Uh, a book that came out a couple of years ago that's on the New York Times bestsellers list. Oh, wow. Sweet. Uh, he's uh, joined Ira as of last month. Well, it's pretty timely having you on the show. I was saying to Rob earlier, now that NFB is wrapped up, it sounds like there's a lot of excitement about Ira and, and where oh, it's yeah. going. So we're going we're gonna to dive into that. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's start out and uh, maybe just give us a, a slight overview of what Ira is. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so is a subscription service whose mission is uh, to provide greater independence uh, for the blind and low vision community. And so we're doing that by shipping our IRA users, our IRA explorers is what we like to call them, uh, a pair of smart glasses. And when they come across something that requires more visual, you can press a button on our phone app and our glasses then begin live streaming real time to a human agent that is staffed at their computer somewhere around the country uh, the agent is able to see what our IRA users are seeing through the camera mounted on the right eye of the glasses. The agent is able to describe to you what you're seeing, uh, as well as give you any other kinds of information like directions to a location. Uh, we have Uber integrated, so we're able to call a car and help identify a car as it arrives. Uh, so we're good at giving directions. We're good at just providing any kind of visual information that you can think of. Our mission is to make it accessible. Awesome. And so is IRA a subscription-based service? Yes, it is. The way that model works is that when you sign up for Ira, uh, you pay a certain amount per month to use Ira, but we send you the glasses. We also send you an AT&T MiFi device so that anywhere that AT&T has signal, you would be able to use Ira. 
so all of that is included with the subscription. There's no additional hardware costs. Uh, and you pay, uh, there's d several different price tiers depending on how many minutes per month that you want to be using IRA. And uh, how did the idea come about? Uh, so the IRA was founded by Suman Kanuganti. Uh, he is our founder and CEO. Uh, it was based uh, from the idea he has a friend who lives in Colorado, uh, and his friend is totally blind. And and one day, Suman uh, got his hands on one of the, the beta model glasses of Google Glass and instantly was talking to his friend trying to describe Google Glass and then came up with the idea of Ira of using it uh, to uh, explain something to his friend. Uh, and that was where the idea from Ira was formed. Uh, Michael is joining us here right now. Okay, perfect. Michael, this is Ryan. Hello. Hi, Michael. How are you? Doing well, thank you. There you go. And I've also got Rob Bonneau here, my other co-host. Hello, hello. Uh, great. Okay, well, we, you know, we were just talking about uh, about the IRA system. Um, why, don't we, why don't we go back to that? Why don't we, we hit on again just how the subscription service works? Uh, so the way that the subscription service works is that you sign up for IRA for a certain amount of minutes per month. The price tiers are based off of the amount of minutes that you want to be using it, and they include all of the hardware that you need to use IRA besides your smartphone. So it includes the glasses and it includes an AT&T hotspot so that anywhere the AT&T has signal, you would be able to use IRA. It also includes for the hardware. So if you were to lose or to break the glasses themselves, you pay a small deductible instead of the entirety of the hardware. And it also includes all of the cost of <coughs> the data of live streaming, real-time video across the country. Right. And is it only available in the U.S. at the moment? Uh, it is currently only available in the U.S., uh, but we are expanding uh, worldwide very, very soon, uh, and Canada quite soon as well. We'll see what happens after next Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Ask us soon. <clears throat> so do you have attendance already in place for you know launch outside of the U.S.? So our, our agents are the people who are doing the, the describing. Right. Um, so we have agents. The, the value of being an IRA agent is you don't have to do it from here. Mm -hmm. um, so we have agents all around the U.S. And oh. So to expand that, if something were to uh, happen in Canada, one, it's dead easy because even our agents could be involved in that. But two, because there's value in having agents that are very familiar with the area and, and specifically the people and so on, it would certainly be beneficial to have agents in Canada as well. Every agent goes through a very detailed background screening as well as a month of training because they kind of really have to unlearn things that they typically have believed about interacting with blind people. That is, help, got to help them. They, they can't do things for themselves. And what the agents have to truly learn to do is to be eyes, not a brain. So right. the agents have to learn how to describe, how to give information, how to answer questions, and, and how to give directions so that they get to see what it is that the blind person needs them to see in order to give us as blind people the information that we need. So they go through about a month of training, and if they, they pass all of that, then they can become agents and, and work for IRA. So doing it in Canada, other than any of the legal legalities of, of hiring, how that process works and all that, in theory, it should not be overly difficult for Canada just because the language is the same and everything else is really the same, right. and the time zones are the same, mostly. Right. So that worked pretty well. Additionally, we also are staffing some of our agents currently in Mexico. Um, right. So they are, you know, in U.S., uh, in English, they're, they're fantastic agents, some of our very best agents. Uh, but we, we are working with staffing, and we are, we are hiring for North America as well. Yeah. Yeah. So are they, are they, is, it, is it more set up like so that they're kind of they're independent contractors that could be sort of anywhere scattered throughout the country as opposed to having a sort of a central, say, call center? Yeah, absolutely. So all of our agents uh, work from home. Uh, they use their personal laptops. The requirements are in order to be an agent besides all of the pre-screenings and all of the tests that <clears throat> you have to pass, uh, that you have to have a quiet room with no background noise and you have to have uh, a great internet connection Right. that does not drop. Um, so if you have both of those things, those are both prerequisites in order to uh, become an IRA agent. And we've had situations where connections have dropped. It does get to be a challenge. I mean, it, is a, it makes perfect sense to have that as, as a need. Right. But uh, that's, again, 
something that ought to be pretty easy in Canada as well as here in the U.S. So uh, agents are all over the country today working out of home. So let me ask you this. How long was the development process, like, say, from, from conception to where you guys are at now? Okay. Uh, so IRA was founded in 2015, January of 2015. Uh, there was four initial founders. Um, they took a prototype, uh, and they spent a year and a half doing several rounds of beta testing, early access, uh, fine-tuning. Uh, getting the latency on the signal itself down was really because in order for an agent to be effective, the live stream needs to be near instantaneous. Um, you know, if there's even a half a second delay, right. it, the information is already old um, at the rate that many of our users like to walk or the dogs are communicating uh, with their dogs. It, it's uh, it was really important that this live stream be instantaneous. Now it's down to less than two tenths of a second. Um, and that's where it's been uh, most successful. And that took a long time. Uh, and once that was happening and we built the infrastructure and staffed our agents and, and, and fixed the dashboard and went through all of our beta trials, uh, we started adding paid subscribers in uh, July of 2016 and uh, brought on paid subscribers in January of 2017. So in the first, so I was uh, introduced to IRA in March of 2015. I was approached to be on the IRA advisory council, the technical advisory council. So I got to live a lot of the development and experienced a lot of the latency issues and so on. So we knew, we being IRA knew those existed. We knew it was just a matter of doing what we could to bring them down to address the technology because IRA really is, in a lot of ways, working on very much bleeding edge technology. We're really putting great demands on the the networks the services right to right. get the kind of video to get the kind of bandwidth we really need to have for internet uh, Wi-Fi use and so on and then to be able to make that work wherever people need to go it's significantly better than it was um, even a year ago I remember going through Orlando Airport in July of 2016 and the connections kept dropping out the latency was high I went through Orlando Airport this last July going to the terminal, going to get luggage and, and move on from there. Not one single drop, not one single loss of signal, even for a fraction of a second. And the agent did such a great job that I beat many of my fellow passengers to our, um, to our luggage area, to our baggage claim area. And that's as good as it can possibly get. So it, it's been an evolutionary process, and it will continue to be an evolutionary process. There are a lot of things that we need to do that, that we don't have yet. We, we'd like to be able to have a wider field of view of vision. We'd like to um, decrease the number of components that make up Iver, because today it's the glasses, the AT&T hotspot, a phone, and then if you're going to do it right so that the whole world doesn't hear what's going on, you need some sort of headset and a lot of us find that the best headsets tend to be bone conduction headsets, namely the aftershocks units, yeah. because they go right on your face, right in front of your ear, and they yeah. actually go through the bone to get to the ear, to the inner ear, rather than you putting an earplug in your ear. And the advantage of that is I can hear what's going on around me while I'm listening to the IRA agent because my ears aren't plugged up with a headset. Right. Yeah, a few weeks well, ago, sorry, a few weeks ago, we actually had Eric Manser on, who did the Boston Marathon using IRA. Yes. Um, how many other users are out there currently <clears throat> using the product? Um, what, about 400 now? Oh, we're, uh, 500 we're almost at 600. Oh, okay. I know we signed up a lot in the last couple of weeks, so we almost doubled <laughs> in the last, <laughs> uh, Fantastic. last two weeks, so 600, and it will obviously continue to go. Well, why don't we talk about, you know, I was saying earlier, the NFB conference just recently wrapped up, and it sounds like there was a lot of buzz and excitement about the product. What did you, was that your first time at that type of show? No. Yeah, we've done... Uh, this is actually Suman, um, the founder. This is his third time. I dragged him to the NFB conference in 2015 to give him a flavor of what blindness was really all about. And at the same time, we wanted to see if we could get some people interested in IRIS. So we, we got him on the agendas of a lot of the divisions and uh, committee meetings around the NFB convention. He stayed the entire week, 
um, which is a credit to him because he really wanted to learn. And then uh, last year, we were there where we actually did IRA trials with the units that we had available, and we took our pre-signups uh, and started working to deliver glasses to people. And there we got, um, I think we had over 50 people who actually pre-signed, um, but we kept busy with um, the entire week of the convention. And this year, we have gotten something like about 250 people out of the NFB convention who signed up, most of whom got their glasses like within a week. Some decided they wanted to just start by using their iPhone. But we got enough from the ACB convention before it that I was busy shipping glasses to those folks while the NFB convention was going on. I think the idea is that by the end of this week, anyone who's left over who hasn't gotten their glasses from the NFB convention will have them. Right. So you can use the IRA device with just your smartphone? You don't actually need the glasses? You can. Um, disadvantage is that you have to hold the phone. Right. Or you put it in some sort of a case around your neck. <clears throat> but if your glasses break or whatever, then you do have the iPhone as a second option or a smartphone as a second option. And th those cameras tend to work pretty well as well so that you can use it. And some people just want to use it that way. And they do want to wear glasses. They just use the phone. And they've gotten cases that they wear around their necks, the camera sticks out, and they use it just fine. So that works with both iOS and Android? Yes. Great. And so what was it like uh, working with the Google Glass um, as, a, as a platform? Um, the Google Glass worked okay. <clears throat> there were some logistical issues, like the, the glasses came apart. They're in pieces, and, and they snapped together. Uh, too many people had too often where glasses came apart that was kind of a problem. Right. But um, I think the biggest thing with the Google Glasses version 2 is it's got this funny little magnetic charger port that isn't a micro USB port, is, is difficult to use, so mm. people had some challenges with it, and understandably so. Uh, but, you know, I think that over time Google's going to recognize the value of a micro USB port again. Yeah. And, and that will be good. But the... Um, the Google Glass worked well and provided good images, and we continue to do what we can to improve images, to sharpen images, to better process images, and to come up with better cameras and glasses to do that. So do you guys think that at, at some point down the line that you would you would develop, say, your own unit, your own that you is know, IRA Smart Glass? That, that is a possibility. In fact, we're calling them IRA Smart Glasses today. Um, it doesn't matter what brand we use, and it shouldn't from the user standpoint. Although Google was pretty obvious, and it was the only one for a while. But right. what we tell people is you're going to be getting Irish smart glasses because we don't want to get locked into, oh, I want the Google Glass, or I want Elmo Schwartz's glass down the street. Elmo Schwartz gets around. I use his name a lot. Um, <laughs> but, but we want people to recognize the Ira brand. Of course. And it's like anything. You know, If you go off and you buy a, a washing machine from Sears, it's going to be labeled Kenmore, but it'll have parts in it that are manufactured by different manufacturers. And last year's model might have been using parts manufactured by other manufacturers. So it's all about that they should be recognized as being IRA glasses. Now, IRA is going to move forward and doing some other things. The I, AI part of IRA, um, is, is really kind of the exciting area, I think, that, that we'll be seeing more developments in over time. For example... Mark Riccobono, president of the National Federation of the Blind, and Suman Kanagante, co-founder of Vira, both announced that the KNFB Reader app will actually become part of the IRA system oh. in the next couple of months. Right. And it won't be that you'll have to buy the KNFB Reader and put it on your smartphone. It will be incorporated into the IRA program itself. So that's being worked on and completed and, uh, and will be released pretty soon. And we'll see other kinds of things happening with optical, well, not only optical character recognition, but other kinds of AI things like optic recognition, right. um, reading with the KNFB reader and other, other things, reading um, material better, also facial recognition and so on. We're going to see those things very quickly in IRA. And, and well, and indeed, if the, the Google Glass itself, like, is, is the unit configured on your end like is it is it sort of locked into the the iris software and so you you couldn't really use it as as a, a normal google class or is it it's pretty much just open 
No, it's it's locked in. We we have to modify the software a lot in the Google Glass arena. For example, the display isn't used. Um, I think the display does still show something, doesn't it? The display shows the time, uh, but it, it is. It shows we, the time. We, we, because we really don't need a display, right? Fair enough. Um, and so it is locked into Ira. You, you won't use it like you could just any other Google Glass. It okay. strictly is locked into Ira. And it needs to be because we need to disable a lot of what it's doing to have the processing speed and bandwidth to do what we need to do. Right. Uh, and Google uh, knows. And Google knows. <laughs> well, they, I mean, they've been a very supportive partner. There's a pretty deep relationship between Ira and Google and we we look forward to seeing how Google developments go in the future that will, will help us with glasses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I'm sure that they're they're just glad that I mean, because you know the, the 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 rollout of the Google Glass, I feel like it kind of missed that mainstream mark. Like the people didn't really lock into it as as much as I think that they they had hoped, um, which was a shame because uh, I think that at wise, it's it has like some huge potential. Um, you know, like a lot of, of mainstream uh, products do. Um, so I think it's it's great that you're able to take it and use it as a platform for something like this uh, is, is really valuable. I think what Google also recognized is that the glass that they have today really works more in an enterprise environment, it works more in manufacturing settings and so on where you can truly take advantage of the display and all that. At the same time, um, there are consumers, or a lot of consumers, who might be able to use the glass in other ways. So they'll probably be doing some things more in the consumer market, but right now they're working in the enterprise world because they recognize that's where Google Glass, as it fits today, actually works best. Right. Uh, so right now, like, uh, how many attendants do you guys have working for you? Well, okay, we, we call them agents because they're oh, not sorry. attendants. Agents, agents, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, 60, I think, is what I heard. We, we, we've passed 80. We've passed. Wow. Passed we. Okay. Um, shows what I know. I, I work out of, uh, well, I work remotely. Yeah. Um, so I'm not here every day. I happen to be in town this week. So we're past 80 agents. And as I said, they go through a lot of stuff before they can become agents. But, um, up over eighty thousand calls. We uh, a little bit more on on the uh, the agent you know vetting process. Approximately less than five percent of those who apply to be agents actually become agents. Um, it's that strict and it's that difficult to become an agent. Yeah, it is. It is a real skill set. I think that most people think you know intuitively that okay, well you know if you're just describing a scene to somebody, that's easy enough. But you know, it's funny. We have a we have an agent, or we have a, a group here called Vocali, and what they do is they uh, they go to different uh, live theater events here, and they will offer a, a description service to to visually impaired people, and they say the same thing. Like they their describers have to go through a real rigorous training because it's not it's not as easy as you may think to just to look at a scene in front of you and to be able to describe the things that are going to be important and relevant to the, to the uh, user. Well, you know, think about star Wars, right? The original movie, you walk into the bar. How do you describe that? Well, there are all these different uh, shaped creatures and different color creatures. You know, it's just a real variety. Well, that doesn't do it for us. <laughs> it's got to be a whole lot different than that. And it is, it does take a knack and it takes an art to truly be able to describe on the fly whatever comes along and be able to do it according to what the user wants. One of the neat things about Ira is that every Ira user has a profile and they help create the profile, they can edit the profile. One of the questions is how detailed of a description do you want as you are walking if you're, tra if you're using Ira for travel? Because remember it could be for use for a lot of different things and we'll talk about that in a sec. But Let's say when you're traveling through an airport, and it level and it goes from levels one to five. One, you really don't want you just want the basic information. Where do I turn and all that? Up to five, where they're describing practically everything. I tend to fall in the middle because and and I probably should actually ask for more detailed descriptions. Having been blind my whole life, I think I would find it useful. I want to know what restaurants and shops and other kinds of things are around me. 
so that if I want to stop or if I want to go there on my way back, I can. You know, so it really varies, and, and every user is going to be different. Do you want agents to tell you to turn left 10 degrees or 20 degrees and to say turn left to your 10 o'clock or maybe all the way to your 9 o'clock, which, of course, is turn left 90 degrees? So it's different, and those are all things that are built into the profile. The agents have to catch on to that and be able to describe according to what each user needs, mm -hmm. and they do. And so generally a subscriber would say connect with uh, the same agent every time or would they connect to different ones? No, there, there isn't a process to connect with the same agent every time at this point. What I think will probably happen over time is not so much that agents, we, users will get the same agent, <clears throat> but <clears throat> users will get different agents depending on their needs. Some are better at dealing with travel. Right. Some are better at dealing with helping to provide information about, say, cooking recommendations or, or cooking directions, recipes, and so on. Some may be better. I'm in a library and I need to read a, a book because I'm a student and I need to read this data in order to get ready for a test or to help me write a paper. Some agents will be better at doing that than others. So in the future, we may be looking at those things. I remember last fall, my favorite story is I had to put a laundry cart together that we bought in the mail. <clears throat> when the cart came, we discovered that the instructions were all totally pictorial, totally yeah. graphics, <laughs> not a single word of text on the page. So I called in the morning at 7 a.m. California time and got a gentleman in Florida, Patrick, <clears throat> who said, let me see the box. He took a picture of the box, so he had the part number and all the details of that. He said, let me see your instructions. He took pictures of that, so he had all the pictorial instructions, and then I laid out all the parts so he could see what I was doing. What I didn't know was that he was also going out to the web, Googling the product, and getting more detailed <laughs> directions to help speed up the process. But because of all that, in a half hour, we had the laundry cart put together. Couldn't have done it faster. Wow. And so we've had, we've had people, um, we had a, a woman who was in Washington, D.C. earlier this year. She wanted to go to Arlington Cemetery where her father was buried. So she knew the number where she had to go in Arlington. So the, an agent um, came and, well, was called and directed her right to where her father's grave was. Then, after a lot of tears because she was just so emotional having been able to do that and really visiting her father like that, <clears throat> they took a tour all over Arlington. You know, and this agent was very good at describing and giving her the information that she wanted and needed to understand all about Arlington as she went through it. So they visited the Kennedy Memorial and World War II and, and various other places in Arlington, just went all around the whole cemetery. This same lady has taken IRA agents to Disney World and, wow. uh, and traveled and to Disneyland and done things. So it's, it's really pretty cool have been in a lot of different places. Mark Riccobono, the president of the National Federation of the Blind last year, took an agent to New York virtually. <laughs> he was there, but that way he got a complete, he and his wife actually both got a real great description of Rockefeller Center and the Christmas tree and so on. Wow. Hmm. I've used to go shopping and, uh, and to find the different things that I want to find. As I tell an agent what I want, they can read the signs that tell us which row we're at. Now it's getting even better because more and more stores are actually putting online information about where in the stores their products are located. So I'm hoping that the time will quickly come where if I create a shopping list, although it may not be complete because, you know, you go shopping, you find more things, right? right. <clears throat> but I want to create a shopping list and transmit that to Iris so that actually when the agent comes on or um, in advance – Iris sees that I'm going to be going and they can assign an agent to it who can develop a map through the store to go where we want to go. So there's all kinds of different uses that Ira can be used for other than just say something like, you know, very basic mobility, like what's in my way? I'm trying to walk to the bus stop. Actually, only about 25% of the agent calls have anything to do with mobility and orientation and travel in general. Wow. It's mostly other kinds of things. You know, it's, it's going to Macy's at the mall to find something and then discovering, oh, there's a Victoria's Secret here, as one lady did last year, Victoria's Secret to do some shopping. One gentleman has used Ira to go bowling. 
You know, it's it could be anything that you can imagine. Um, I've I'm waiting for someone to use Idra to go skydiving. We'll see when that happens. <laughs> well, I don't know what what the the subscription prices are, but it sounds like something like this could get quite expensive. Like, uh, do they pay per minute, and are there overage charges if you go over? Yeah. Uh, so the way that the subscription models are set up. Uh, the, this plan start at $89 a month in uh, US. US dollars per month, thank you. and they go up to $199 a month, and there is also an unlimited plan at $329 a month. Um, all of those minutes uh, are doubled for your first three months in each of the plans. So at uh, $89 a month, you get 100 minutes of IRA uh, per month, doubled to 200 minutes of IRA per month for your first three months. Uh, $129 gets you 200 minutes of IRA per month, doubled to 400 minutes of IRA for your first three months, and $199 gets you 400 minutes of IRA, unlimited minutes for your first three months. Um, additionally, uh, it's easy to say you know that this you get, but ultimately you don't know how many minutes of IRA you're going to use until you start using them. Right. So all of our plans uh, are contract-free. There is no long-term commitment. There is no contract. Um, so you can sign up, try it for two months, decide it's too expensive or it's not for you, and cancel immediately. Uh, no, there's nothing to lock you in. Uh, additionally, if you decide that you need more minutes, uh, you can upgrade your plan at any time. And additionally, if you decide, uh, you know what, I'm not using this, all of the minutes that I'm, I'm paying for, let me downgrade the plan, you can go ahead and downgrade for the very next month. Um, and so that's where all of all of the plans are structured. Can you make adjustments to your plan through the app or online, or do you have to actually call in Tyra? Uh, currently, you have to call in. We are working on some additions to our features to make uh, not having to call in a possibility. Okay. We recognize that there is a cost associated with this, and and that for some people, it it still is pretty expensive, right? Um, we know that. At the same time. The original Kurzweil reading machine that Ray developed cost fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, right? right. And now it's a ninety-nine dollar app yep. on a smartphone. And even today, some people complain about that. Yep. For that, you're getting the best OCR engine image processing package on the market. No one has the image processing capabilities of the KNFB reader app. They just don't because that's patented by Ray, um, and it comes through the NFB. So there are always going to be some costs, but at the same time, we're hoping over time to find ways to alleviate and reduce some of those costs. We'll see as time goes on. That's one of the, the things that I have to do inside of Iris to try to help make some of that happen. So we'll see how that goes. Sure. If I go to a grocery store, why can't the store pay for my IRA time when I go in the store? Because today, if I go into a grocery store, I have to find someone to help me shop. That takes time. They have to find someone to do the work. That takes time. That person doesn't describe very well most all of the time. Yeah, and right. they are being taken away from doing their regular job, yeah. which means more time away from what they're hired to do. So it's economical for a store to just pay the cost of an IRA agent when I'm in the store. And that's easy because IRA knows where I am via GPS Anyway, so it would be easy to make that happen. So that's one of the things we're looking at. And so, and it also seems to me that, you know, bandwidth, you know, and the, and the infrastructure, you know, all the infrastructure is, is just getting better every day. Um, do you kind of foresee it, it a day when, when bandwidth maybe won't be as big of a hurdle for you guys? Well, it's, it's getting to be less of a hurdle. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so one of, one of the uh, exciting developments with Ira is that we are partners with AT and T, uh, and so what that means is that as they roll out their 5G network this summer, <clears throat> Ira is going to have priority access on this network. So already Ira is uh, really really close with AT and T, and we're working together to make sure that bandwidth uh, is really utilized well. And as this network rolls out, uh, it'll be stronger than ever. Something that Wesley discussed a little earlier, we need to come back to and make sure you understand. There is no data cost to the user, right? right. The AT&T hotspot and so on is all part of Ira. The only thing that the user pays for is the smartphone that they use to make the audio call. Right. But 
the, the data bandwidth and so on all comes from the hotspot within, within the phone system. Right. Well, and I mean, I think that the, the, the upside to it, to it all is that, you know, if, if a user can, you know, it, it really just depends on how much the user wants to use the service and they, you know, and you can, if they can, if you can adjust that pay scale accordingly, um, you know, I think that that is incredibly valuable to the end user as well. It's easy to make the, the argument, gee, it's only the cost of a Starbucks cup of coffee a day. Um, but, but the problem is that's getting to be pretty trite. So I think it's important to look at it in a different way, as you just said. Look, how important is it to you to have information? How important is it to you <clears throat> to be able to put that laundry cart together, to be able to travel to the store and instantaneously go in and get all the items that you want, including looking at milk and make sure that you get the best sell-by date so that yeah. you've got the freshest stuff, to get someone on the fly who can work with you to make sure that you get fresh strawberries or whatever the case happens to be and help you find the tomato rice soup as opposed to the soup, you know, and do all of that on, on a moment's notice without any additional assistance from store staff because that's not what they want to do in the stores, right? And so that's what Ira brings. How important is it to you to be able to do all of this stuff independently that you couldn't do before? Yeah, I can take my wife and go shopping, and she likes to go to the store. But when we go, she doesn't describe – she's looking for what she wants to get, you yeah. know, the groceries and all that, and I don't get a lot of information. That's fine. Um, it is fun when we both go, but a lot of times I will be the one to go do shopping. And so it's important for me to be able to do it independently and quickly. So I can do that with Ira. I, there is no other technology or methodology that will allow me to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's an incredibly exciting time um, for AT in general, but, you know, especially, you know, all, all these mobility um, aids for, for the visually impaired, you know, between the, the work that they're doing in haptics, um, your system, uh, GPS systems. It, it's, really, it's really making it so that visually impaired people can be far more independent than you know, even 10 years ago, it was a completely different landscape. Sure. Ira marries a lot of that together, which is what really makes it cool. And that's what's important, I think, for people to know is that Ira is and will continue to be putting a lot of the different technologies together to make it a more usable set of products. We're, as I said, looking at all sorts of ways to establish relationships with companies and so on to make the IRA experience easier, <clears throat> the more that we can do to visit stores, malls, any kind of environment where the public can go to acquaint them with IRA and hopefully get their help to make the system more affordable and more blessed, the better. And so we're, we're always looking to try to establish those relationships because we know that is pretty revolutionary it's something that most people haven't heard of, but we also know the value of what we're doing. It is kind of strange, I'm sure, to a lot of people when they see somebody wearing glasses on their head and a bone conduction headset on their head, just seemingly to talk into thin air. <laughs> I think we're crazy or something like that, but you know, nevertheless, it, it really works well, and we're able to travel around independently. Some people have come and said, what are you doing? And it's great to be able to explain it to them turn off the bone conduction, the headset, and let them talk to the agent, you know. <laughs> That's right. You know, those kinds of things. So it's not really that we're talking to Mars and That's looking right. the phone home for ET, you know. Now, are, are you guys uh, sort of always on the look for, for agents? I was about to say, yes. the, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the agent hiring. Uh, right now, I just checked, which is what uh, the typing sound was. Uh, <laughs> Ira.io slash career, the agent uh, app job application is currently active. Um, so if you go to, like I said, Ira, A-I-R-A dot I-O slash career, uh, we have uh, remote agent hiring. Uh, anyone U.S., Canada, Mexico uh, can currently apply to become an agent. Uh, you can work from home. You'd like I just need a strong Internet connection in a quiet room. Uh, the process is very, very uh, exclusive, so you have to pass a number of tests, do a number of in-person uh, interviews, because ultimately – 
the agents can make or break the IRA experience. If our users have a, a bad experience with our agents, right. so it's really important that we have only the finest agents. And so uh, if being an IRA agent sounds like something that uh, your listeners want to do, please go to ira.io slash career and look for the IRA agent remote uh, job application. It's, it's not only, you know, if you've got a bad agent, it's IRA, but if you have that's not doing real well, it could be someone's life or it could be their job right. or it could be just a lot of time wasted. <clears throat> so there's there's a lot to it. But you know what? Um, there are a lot of people out there who are certainly capable of doing it and being good agents. So we're always looking for good folks. Uh, and so uh, tell us, so if someone's interested in the in the IRA subscription, where can they find you guys on the web? Absolutely. Uh, www.ira.io is our website. Okay. Uh, additionally, I think the best way, if you want uh, immediate information, uh, is to go ahead and call our phone number, which is 858-876-2472. Which is U.S. IRA. Exactly. Nobody said that. <laughs> I figured that out. Um, they can go to like, ira.io slash plans, I think it is, to yeah. get right to the pricing. Yeah, that's just the pricing. Okay. But, and to sign up directly. And to sign up. Perfect. Well, and we'll make sure that we, we link to all that uh, in our show notes as well. So anyone who's interested, check them out. Well, great. Hey, listen, guys, thanks so much for joining us today and, and talking about IRA. It, it's an incredibly exciting system. Um, we're excited. Absolutely. We think we're only at the beginning. And we haven't, we haven't even begun to explore all the other ways IRA can help the world. And, and we will over time. But it starts with blindness because that's the core competency. Right. Well, and I think we'll circle back around to you next year and just kind of see where you're at. Cool. Cool. Looking forward to it. All right, guys. You guys take care, and uh, we will talk to you again. Thank you, you so too. much, and you as well. Thanks, guys. Wow. Wow. So that that is quite the system. Yeah. I think, you know, it's pretty exciting times we're living in if you want your independence and it's, I mean, come on. It's crazy. You think back to 10 years ago. You mm -hmm. think, well, what, 10 years ago? is that when, when did smartphones first? Was that what around? I think iPhone oh, just eight. had its anniversary, so 10 years. 10 years. So, you know, go back 12 years mm -hmm. before we even had smartphones. There was, we couldn't even conceive of this. Nope. We had 3.2 megapixel cameras, if that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know, and now 16, 18, 20 megapixel cameras, live streaming. Yeah. The, the notion that you can, you know, you, you, you know, make a phone call, you, you touch a button and boom, you're connected with another person who can see exactly what's in front of you in live, in, in real time and give you instructions uh, it blows my mind. It's one thing we didn't ask about what the field of view was because they did mention they'd like to get yeah. a wider field of view. Uh, maybe their website says. Yeah. Well, I suspect that that has something to do. I mean, obviously, it has something to do with the Google Glass. I mean, I imagine that there, it's a limitation of the Glass. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe, I think Eric talked about that when we when we talked to him about the system. Um, he mentioned the field of view um, being an issue. Yeah. It's something that they could they would they could possibly improve upon. So. I think we also need to stress too that I would still say and suggest you need to have good orientation and mobility skills to fall back on. I don't think you could totally 100% rely on a system like this to get you from point A to point B Yeah. because of dropouts and, you know, maybe pitfalls along the way. Yeah, but the interesting thing about it, like I was really interested to hear that, you know, only maybe a quarter of their calls really have anything to do with the mobility, yeah. right? And which, you know, it makes sense. I'm sure that... You know, and I'm sure you know, like any, you know, on any given day around the house, it'd be super <laughs> handy to just be able to like. What's this box? Cake mix or? Pancake mix. Pancake mix. Exactly. Yeah. Is this beets or is this tomato soup? Is this the salt or the pepper? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, incredibly valuable. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, and that would be really something, I think, if you, if you had your own agent. Can you imagine that? Oh, absolutely. You know, you could actually develop a relationship with, hey, Phil, hey, how you doing, Frank? <laughs> That's the pepper. Yeah. But what if Frank's having a bad day? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> Takes bad. it out on you. That's right. <laughs> Into the lake you go, Ryan. <laughs> Turn left. 
Hmm. <laughs> Sploosh. So I'll be your agent, Ryan. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. What? You don't trust me? Come no. on. I've, I've been helping you around for ages, for 15 years. My own I've wife. Only, I've only walked you into a couple doors and some curbs. My own wife on our first date walked me into a lake. <laughs> just really? so, yeah, just so I knew where our boundaries were. Yeah. Well, it worked. But she meant well. It worked. You're married now. That's right. So clearly. I fell head over heels. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh. Uh, all right. Well. Deep hole in the ground. Let's get out of here. All right. Uh, where can people find us? Online at www.atbanter.com. They can also email us if they so desire. Please do. At atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. They can also find us on iTunes, Google Play. They can find us on, uh, what was that? What, uh, uh, tune in. Tune in. YouTube. Stitcher. Stitcher. Player.fm. So many places, so little time. That's right. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, and of course, our personal favorite, Twitter. Twitter, Twitter. You have been Twittering up a storm this week. I have. Sir. I've been coming up with little themes for every night, so. Yeah, I saw that. I, I find I a like bunch it. of links and I just start blasting. I saw that. You just load the Twitter cannon. That's right. I like it. That's good. No, that's good. Oh, uh, we're getting some attention, so. Yeah, yeah. So, when in doubt, use the shotgun method. Yep. Work for my dating life. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, uh, anything else that we need to clean up before we get out of here? No, I don't think so. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for us for another week. Thanks so much for listening in, and we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com.